Buffalo Wild Wing Studios, it's The Rush with Teddy Lehman and Tyler McComas. Play action again, throw across the middle, wide Wide open, open. Nick Anderson's going to score again. All he does is score touchdown. 29-yard touchdown, Nick Anderson. Gabriel to throw, deep shot, he's got Anderson open, he's in again. He did it again. Nick Anderson, touchdown sooner. John Rice Plumley, back to pass, under pressure, bam, dropped, sack, Peyton Bowen, the kid makes plays. Gabriel waiting for the football. He's got it. He's going to throw. Swings it out. Caught by Stoops. Makes a cut to the 10. He's to the 5. Touchdown! Drake Stoops! Touchdown! The handoff. Sawchuck up the middle. 25. Watch out. 20. He's to the 15. Pay dirt. Sawchuck runs sideways. End zone. Touchdown! Plumley swings it out to him. Townsend caught at the 10. He's got a ways to go. He's not going to get there. Dolby wraps him up. It's no good. Onside kick attempt. Headed to the near sideline, spinning, spinning, oh, jumped no. on, it's loose. Stogner dies for it. The official is pointing Sooner football. They're unpiling, and Austin Stogner has recovered. Victory! that ain't a sooner is holding their breath waiting for Oklahoma to collapse. And man, there were some people they was ready to celebrate. They were ready to celebrate. But they don't know. They don't know. The heart of this football team. And they stay there. And they say yeah. And they say there. Uh, is that true? Is everyone waiting on Oklahoma to fail? I kind of feel like the public perception, the public sentiment, the talking heads, it's slowly flipped a little bit. Um, not at Barstool Sports, but maybe no. at everywhere else. I know at Barstool Sports, one person in particular is uh, waiting for him to fall. But, hey, man, um, this team finds a way to win, and they've done it every single time this year. There's, there's something to be said for, about that. I, uh, I will say, I, I'm not saying that I feel good about Saturday's win, but I feel less bad about things than I did sprinting out of the stadium Saturday after that one. I don't know if anyone else can relate to that. I'm not saying I feel good about that in any way, but boy, I I felt really bad about that thing. But taking a step back, I I, I guess when you look at it, I, I think the defense played better than what I initially thought walking out of there. Yeah, I just wish that you get the stop on that final drive to win by eight. Because if you get that stop, then I think we probably walk away feeling probably pretty good about the way the defense played on Saturday. Yeah, you know, and, and really, it, it most of what happened there was just a handful of plays against the defense. And, you know, I, I don't know that that makes it any better or any worse or whatever. It's just kind of a, a, a fact. We had a, a couple of large collapses that ultimately cost us uh, a bunch of points there. Um, you know, honestly, I don't, I, I'd almost prefer to walk away from that thing not feeling great than I would feeling okay. Um, I, you know, I, I think it's a, think it's a good thing perhaps to keep, 
this team on edge. Keep the I know the staff is always going to be on edge, but you know if you if you're right there on the fear of falling off the the cliff, then I think it's a little bit easier to regain the focus than oh, that's that's if, what the feeling will be like up there this yeah. week. I don't doubt that. Yeah, and I you know that's uh, Plumley played a really good game. You know for for being on that knee, I don't know how close to 100% he is. You know, he was he was able to make some really nice throws under pressure. You know, they had a really nice game plan. They hit us on a couple of reverses. The sprint draw had some success. And, you know, that, that one play where he pulls it and he's about to cross the line of scrimmage and he dumps it over Woody Washington's head was, you know, credit them for that. That's a lapse on our end, but you know, it really was just kind of a handful of plays. Um, I thought number one, the wide out for them is a really good player. He, uh, I was very impressed with him more than yeah. any other player that they had. I walked away saying, "All right, I was maybe at least wrong about him at wide." Because I, um, I, I pretty much declared I didn't think UCF's wide receivers were all that great. He's he's a good player, good looking player. You know, it's funny. I, when I was down on the field, I typically go down to the field and talk to the, some of the guys before the game and. Like the overwhelming consensus from those guys is that the receivers were two of, if not the best receivers that they'd faced. They and did, that was yeah. before the game. Yeah. And afterwards, I can see that. Number one, definitely, he looked like an NFL player. Yeah, he does. Out there. So that was interesting. Yeah. So, I, hey, um, I, it's not pretty. There's plenty of things to, to go in there and, and rip apart. Let the staff do that. I'm just, uh, I'm just happy we got out of there with a win. A lot of teams in college football won ugly on Saturday. Um, thankfully that you're one of those. And so, maybe you can appreciate the ugly close wins a little bit more after what happened last year when you lost all the close games. That's right. Maybe not. I, I, I don't know. Maybe that's uh, what uh, I'm feeling today, and some of the others on the text line as well. But I don't really buy into. Because it was a close game, that OU came out flat and they celebrated the Texas win too much. Like, I, I didn't see that. I didn't feel that at the beginning of the game. I, I thought, man, like, when you go back and look at what the defense did in the first 15 minutes and you factor in the opponent and what UCF had done so far this year in the run game, that was one of the better 15 minutes of football I think this OU defense has played all year long. It just yeah. goes back to my frustration about the offense at times, and we saw it in the game against Texas, and we saw it, I think, in the first quarter on Saturday, is, man, when the defense gives you an opportunity to really distance yourself from someone, this offense can do a much better job of taking advantage of that situation, you know? Because not only was the defense getting stops, you were getting the ball in, like, primo field position spots, and you really didn't do anything with it other than that, than that one touchdown. You, yep. you, I mean, really, dude, you should have twenty-one nothing. Yeah, should have been up at least like seventeen nothing going in the second quarter. That's right. No, I I totally agree with that. And here's the thing, you know, well, I think we had was it four, three and outs in a row, the defense forced, and under those circumstances, especially being at home, and the fact that you got really good field position out of those three and outs with some bad punts from UCF, you have to be able to put more points on the board there. 
And the reason is it changes the way UCF has to call plays offensively whenever they're in that big of a hole that quickly. And the other thing is, you know, I think that UCF, some of the guys had the flu, including Plumlee, and it was like a really low-energy warm-up for those guys, not very spirited. You know, they have the the four four and outs in a row. I think I think that team would have been ready to throw it in if we would have, you know. Oh, after everything that's happened to them this year, too? Yeah. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I think that they were ready to mail it in. Um, so I, that's why it's crucial because the longer you let somebody hang around, and, and just stay in the fight, stay right there, couple of things bounce their way, and you look up, you come out at halftime, and you're tied, you're not feeling good, but you're saying, dang, I feel like crap, but I've come this far, let's see what we can do, and you have a spirited battle there in the second half, and you know, that's why you just got to stomp on them right out of the gate. Yeah. We didn't, learned a valuable lesson, I think, and... You know, hopefully we just improve and, and keep marching on. Um, Oklahoma Johnny had uh, this take on the text line, and I agree with it as well. It's just, you know, there's so many ways that the momentum can change, but missing field goals and missing multiple field goals in kind of a short time span can really do it. Like yeah. the fan base showed up on Saturday for an 11 a.m. game, and they were on fire. They were excited. They were very loud early on into the game. And not that they weren't throughout it, but especially early on, there's a lot to be excited about with the way the defense played. It felt like those two missed field goals took the air out of the offense and took the air out of the crowd a little bit. And that, especially that second missed field goal, is where, at least to me, it felt like things really changed. And we saw an offense that kind of struggled throughout the next you know two quarters or so. But those no, are big that's moments. Right. That's right. We missed that second field goal and they went 10 plays and scored a touchdown um you know and we had it looked like we were about to have another goal line stand and we stuffed them on third down probably kick a field goal right there uh but you know we bail them out with the 15 yard penalty and you know they score a touchdown on it and you know so that probably cost you four points right there i don't know i'm not for sure that they kick a field goal there, but I'm guessing as early in the game as that was, and the score was only 7-0, you know, that cost us. So, yeah, I I totally agree with you. And it it was, after that, it felt, you know, and I'm not blaming the crowd. It it just felt flat and quiet. Yep, it really did. Until the fourth quarter, whenever we came alive with that really nice uh, touchdown drive. Yeah, I, I felt the exact same thing. It just you could just almost feel like everything was so hard for the offense the first three quarters in the run game, man. Mm-hmm. It just felt like a three yard gain. You had to just grind to to get it. And I, we'll, we'll talk a lot about the run game and the the running backs, who was available, who wasn't available. But it, it just a three yard gain just felt so hard to come by. And once again, man, I, I saw some running backs on Saturday that. There's not a whole lot of running through the trash. There's not a whole lot of broken tackles. Unless there is a wide-open lane for an easy 10-yard run without getting untouched, they're probably not picking up a long gain. It's just there's just not – from Sawchuck early on, certainly from Marcus Major, there's just not a whole lot of great individual play. Remember last year we talked a lot about 
well, the wide receivers need to make more competitive catches. Yeah. And they're not, and, and they are doing that this year much better compared to last year. I'm not seeing running backs make great individual plays in between the tackles, outside, whatever, whatever spot they're in. No, I agree with that 100%. Um, and you got to feel like perhaps seven games into the season, maybe what you see is what you get at this point. I don't know. I, I felt like late maybe Sawchuk found a little bit of a rhythm. Nothing that blew you away. It just felt like, you know, he, he finally got some rust off because the kid just hasn't played a whole heck of a lot of football. You know, he had essentially only the bowl game last year, and then this was his first real, since then, his first real, like, consistent snaps. Yeah. So, I mean, I can understand that maybe he still hasn't hit a full stride, but, you know, I'm, I'm proud of him that he worked through that first series because that was not pretty. <laughs> Boy, right? it was bad. I mean, it's yeah. – and, and look, at you, I'm not a big fan of someone who you're trying to get in the rotation and trying to get in a flow, direct snapping it to him the second play of the game. Um, but, yeah, that was a pretty tough, really tough first series for him. And yeah. it kind of looks like if he catches that swing pass on third down, he might have scored or at least yeah. had a long gain yeah. off of it. But I, I guess the main point here, I guess the main point is what several are saying on the text line. Justin in Newcastle, uh, LaDonna and Lubbock and so many others, a ugly win is better than a pretty loss. You, you, you found a way to win. And how many times... Have they done that this year? The Houston game, they found a way to win. The Cincinnati game, they found a way to win. The Texas game, and of course, Saturday as well. Because, man, it did not look good early in the fourth quarter. It did not feel good early in the fourth quarter. When you're down six and UCF's got the ball with the chance to to push it to to a a two-score game. And that's why I'm not going to be super critical of the defense today, Teddy. That last drive was not great. That wasn't a great moment. But I do think you have to give the defense a lot of credit for always keeping that at a one-score game on Saturday when the offense was really struggling because that's when you really would have felt like you're in a tight spot is if that game ever gets to two scores for UCF. And it never did because of the defense. Yeah, no, that's right. That's right. Um, my Here's the thing, okay? Am I being soft on the football team? Yeah, I think I am. The reason, because I, this has, we've had problems throughout the season. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> the punting was great on yes, Saturday. It was. How about that? Let's go. Ray <laughs> Guy know? was back there. So we've had problems in every game, including Saturday, but I haven't seen any chronic problems. Now, the running game. And what we've seen from the running backs with not a lot of explosiveness, I, I don't know that I necessarily classify that as a problem. You know, it would be great to have it. And I wish we did. There's a bunch of other places that do. And I'm a little jelly, honestly. But I don't know that it's a problem because I think our running game, even though it lacks the the huge chunk plays i still think is pretty dang good considering the numbers like when you look at the numbers still pretty good and i it does me no good to 
you know, holler and groan and, and be all upset about it because I know that's what they're getting up there, you know, throughout the week. So, I mean, as long as we don't have the same issue showing up week in, week out, then as long as we quit, keep winning football games, I'm going to trust the staff and trust the process. 918, can you guys tell everyone what the rule was on the unsportsmanlike on UCF on that touchdown? Was it supposed to be where he started the celebration, or was the call on the field correct, or was the call on the field right? Well, if if they wanted to, they could have flagged the blowing the kisses to the coaching staff or to the <laughs> sideline on around the 20-yard line, but they didn't call that. So if they didn't call that, then the ruling is correct. They just missed it. Or they saw it and didn't deem it egregious enough to throw the flag. So however you want to classify that. Had they thrown the flag on the blown kiss as he's running down the sideline, then it would be the touchdown is wiped off the board and it's a spot foul right there where it happened. Okay, but since they didn't do that, it was assessed properly. Um, dead ball. Which, by the way, like I, I know a lot of people wanted that that touchdown to come back, and that's that's fine. But it did end up being, when you look back, a pretty big moment in the game because OU ends up getting 15 yards on the kickoff. The offense was not doing a whole lot of great things at that point, and that 15 yards is probably the difference in you getting three points or zero points. Going into halftime, yeah, and I, I will remind you and everyone else. Twenty-five, didn't we? Didn't they come down and make a really good tackle? Um, well, did did did, it, did they only get it to the twenty-five? I thought they did. I thought they went down and made like a really good. Still, it could be the difference potentially in uh, yeah. three points or 26. no points there in a, in a two point. So yeah, probably not much of a factor there. But um, you, you still got something out of it. Yeah, yeah, it was really nice coverage. It was a kick. It was returnable. Um, Credit them for for you know nice play, but yeah. I and here's the thing, I don't I don't want the touchdown to come back because I think we earned the opponent getting a seven up on the board by well, le- letting a free runner. Like to me, the blowing the kisses at the sideline, whatever. Is it a rule that maybe it should come back to that spot? Yeah, but I think it's a stupid It wasn't rule. at the sideline. It was to me in Section 10. He was looking right <laughs> at me after uh, calling their wide receiver core just okay last week. Oh, uh, that's good. That's good. All right, let's hit a quick timeout. The perfect poolside paradise. Their professional design expertise can transport you into your own mystic falls, suburban sanctuary, or Mediterranean retreat. Settle into an endless vacation. Entertain your family, friends, and get the signature touch with signature custom pools. Call them for a free consultation at 405-898-9098 or visit them online at SignatureCustomPools.com today. It is a reaction Monday on The Rush. Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman, and boy, it was like uh, clockwork. Every time OU got a first down on Saturday, you'd hear... First down, Sooners! Boomer! Everyone <laughs> cheers and then groans immediately after because, oh, oh, you picked up a first down. There's UCF having a player on their defense going down with a fake injury, trying to stop the tempo. Yeah. Jeez. Well, it's a real weapon, and, you know, I 
aside from it's tough because the only thing you can do to legislate that is to say if a player goes down like he has to miss like x amount of plays like like he misses the rest of that series or he misses maybe the rest of that quarter and sometimes that may not be fair. There may be something legit, although um, I played football for, I don't know, 10-plus years at the college and NFL level and never laid on the field once and had all kinds of injuries. So it's possible to get off of the field whenever you're banged up. But there's no right now there's no incentive yeah. in telling guys that. The incentive is... If you have anything at all, lay down right there, and it gives us time to get situated, get someone out there for you. And a three-and-a-half-minute commercial break in. we got to get those ads in yes. nowadays and, in college football. And get some ad, ad revenue uh, flowing. So I don't know what I, – I doubt they legislate it differently. But, I mean, we all know what's happening. Yeah, we do. All right, let's get to a handful of text here. Pastor Andy from BA says, Three years ago we started 9-0, and and many of those wins uh, nearly felt like losses. This year is not that. Saturday felt like an ugly win, yes. Three years ago felt like a program problem getting by. That is not now. I think that's, that's right. kind of the, the point that you were making last year. Yeah, segment. it's not chronic. Not, not a chronic issue. doesn't feel to be... A chronic issue. Uh, it seems like, you know, we have our issues as everyone does, and it's kind of some new thing every week to to some degree. Now, it, it doesn't mean that it can't start becoming chron- uh, chronic. And if this becomes a habit here over the next couple of weeks, then maybe we start to uh, groan a little bit louder. But hey. As long as we're winning football games, yeah. you know, I think it, it resets everything a little bit after you know, because for a long time, you, we've won so many games around here that I, you're expected to win and win against a, a lot of programs. You're expected to win a certain way. And then whenever you go out and you lose a lot of those games that you used to win ugly, kind of resets the the feelings a little bit, but... It's not going to last long. They'll get the benefit of the doubt momentarily until, like, you know, defensively we had, it's not like there's a ton of missed tackles all over the place, you know? We had the Woody Washington deal where he, he left coverage, and I don't know if he, was, if he ha- was supposed to have a safety over the top or not. Point is, that was a mess up defensively. It wasn't guys, like, diving and, you know, not bringing contact, not running to the football. I There was issues out there, but it's not something you look at and say, this looks like a sloppy mess out here, and it's it's not indicative of the type of football team we are. 580, so speaking of that, Tyler, let's clear the air because OU fans are taking heat for booing injured players and booing Dylan Gabriel in the offense. The, fan booed, the fans booed because... We felt like UCF was trying to slow us down, and then the fans wanted the offense to go for it on fourth and one. They were absolutely not booing the OU players on the field. Yeah, no, yeah, agree with that on all that. I, I haven't seen OU fans taking heat 
for booing injured players, but yeah, they were um, they were booing the situation that we all knew were, were, were ha- was happening there. Well, and here's the thing. That's not isolated to the University of Oklahoma booing that situation. Uh, when – who was – was it – it wasn't when Metallier went down. When someone went down at the OU-Texas game, there was a bunch of boos because they – the initial thought nowadays is anytime someone goes down, it feels like it's, it's done purposely to break the action. So When the there's no minimum on a drive especially. Yes. Yeah. So the first reaction you get from every fan base, not just Oklahoma, is, okay, here we go again. So that's why I'm saying it's, 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 a, it's a nationwide problem that I'd like to see them get a handle on. But the only way you can get a handle on it is by punishing players that are actually injured and require assistance out there on the field. So... Do we get there? I don't know. By the way, congratulations to uh, the UCF fans for bringing the most fans to Norman of any Big 12 school in about 10 years or so it felt like. I was roundly criticized on this show by you. You said 1,000. Are we sure 1,000? suggesting that there was going to be a decent amount of uh, UCF fans that showed up, and I think there was more than 1,000. Yeah. Um, I didn't love their reaction to the urinals inside the stadium before the game. They were like, <laughs> what is it? Uh, just urinals everywhere? Like, Or the troughs everywhere? We, we're like a bunch of cows right now, just all peeing yeah. on the troughs. And then, if that's not bad enough, I mean, it's all about – Efficiency when you got eighty five thousand people packed in there, right? Right. Troughs are efficient. Um, they started to compare the stadium to the Citrus Bowl. Oh, this is starting to feel like the Citrus Bowl. Whoa, there, buddy. Let's not compare the Palace and all of its amazing features to the crap hole that's the Citrus Bowl out there in Orlando, please. That's where I took offense. You know, it's interesting. I consider the restroom situation at Oklahoma, to be elite for efficiency, right? Is it's, it not? Yes, and that's it's it's not meant to be glamorous going in there. It's meant to be about efficiency, so there's not a massive long line, and you don't have to miss two series just getting in and out of the bathroom. It's perfect. Never yeah. change it. That's a weird complaint. Soft, UCF fans. Soft. Not My ready for the goodness. troughs. I'm glad they have bidets out there at uh, UCF Stadium. That's, that's good to hear. Frankly, they should almost just eliminate everything and just have a huge drain in the middle of the floor, right? <laughs> yeah, that would be even better. Just a gigantic drain. KW- you know, have you ever gone to a water park where you go in the raft and it kind of spits you out into this huge, gigantic funnel and you just kind of swirl around for that, a while. Before they have you... that at Great Wolf, Great Wolf Lodge, right? Yes, yeah. exactly. That is the exact slide I'm talking about. That's kind of what the bathroom should be. It should just be like a big entry and there's just a giant funnel in there. I definitely agree with that. We, uh, we'll, we will uh, agree on that today. KW918 says, meaningless in the grand scheme of things. But how incredibly tone-deaf is OU to have the most ridiculous fan engagement known as kicking for chicken right after your field goal kicker just missed his second <laughs> chip shot field goal? Simply amazing if you ask me. K-Dub, yeah. I, I felt like everyone was locked into that kicking for chicken more than any other that I've seen. 
because everyone was ready to make the joke and sit it out on Twitter. Hey, let's give this guy a scholarship. Let's get him a uniform. Yeah, it is. I don't know. I think it's it. The beauty in it is almost unmatched to uh, to have a, a legitimate kicker miss from nearly the exact same spot and then jog out a rando during a commercial timeout and he drills it. That is amazing. That guy had the perfect strategy. Just kick the very bottom of the football. <laughs> It'll go. The football yeah. will go as high as possible and just uh, just just over. Just over. That's right for a win. That's right. Good stuff. Anything yeah. else? Um, yeah, we got like 200 more texts to get to. Okay. But we're going to have to take perfect. a few breaks to, to get to all those first. Yeah, let's hit a quick timeout. Hour number one of the rush rolls on. Keep filling up the text line. Knippelmeyer text line 651-3439 at Newcastle Casino today. Hanging out. We'll be back. Do you eat, sleep, and breathe Sooner football? We do too. This is The Ref, home of Sooner fans. Hello. This is a prepaid call from Nephew, it's me again. An inmate at the county correctional facility. To accept this call, press 1 now. Oh, great. What now? Okay, what's up? Well, I don't want to really admit to anything, but let's just say I may or may not have advocated on someone's property that rhymes with retinal. Underagedrinking.samsa.gov There are many ways to celebrate a life. For over 80 years, Primrose Funeral Service in Norman has been providing comfort and guidance to families in memorial planning. Prearranging a memorial is the best way for families to take it slow. Talk in a calm, compassionate environment away from the stress and sadness of loss. Primrose Funeral Services offers prepaid plans that protect your loved ones from hard financial decisions at a difficult time. Contact Primrose Funeral Service at 405-321-6000 or visit them at primrosefuneralservice.com. I'm gonna put I'm gonna put Drake on the spot. Put him on the spot, coach. Yo 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 yo. Cause, Cause Drake he grew up in this locker room. All right, he's seen it all. He's been in all the big ones. All right, he's been in the great wins. He's been in some tough losses. Right, what's this What does this win mean to you? Man, I love y'all boys, bro. Being a part of Team 129 after all that adversity last year, it just proves uh, the amount of toughness and resiliency we have through adversity, bro. Mm-hmm. Last year, we might not have came out of a game like that. This year is different. Really? You know what I'm saying? Winning is winning. And it's hard. So keep pushing. Hey, and let's keep this thing going. Family on three. One, two, three. Pretty awesome. Drake Stoops after the game uh, addressing the team there in the locker room. Didn't seem like a team that was down about a two-point win against UCF. Seemed right. like they were pretty good spirits, as they should be. Well, you know, I've I've noticed that it's a point of emphasis from coaching staffs, and this isn't just Oklahoma. I think this is everywhere. There's a point of emphasis to celebrate every win – no matter how good or how ugly, to celebrate it. And I think part of that is uh, you want to keep your team energetic and feeling good and confident. I think the other part, which is probably 90% of it, is because there's probably a bunch of recruits in the room and like cameras rolling and it needs to feel like we celebrate and have so much fun around here because – I, <laughs> I remember coming in 
with a after a bunch of wins feeling like, oh my God, this is going to be horrible. And it was horrible. <laughs> so I know all of that dies out though quickly after. You just needed a few cameras in the locker room back then and yeah. everything would have changed. But That's right. yeah, I mean it, it celebrate the victory you got all week long to uh hear how bad you were for the, right. for the majority of the game. Willie Mays Hayes says, can someone explain to me how in 16 quarters played in conference play, OU's opponents have been called for zero holding penalties on offense? All Tech 16 times for every quarter played with no holding penalty called. And I think Willie Mays Hayes has lived up to that. I believe he has texted the same text in 16 consecutive times. Well, hey, we're on your side Text somebody that can do something about it. We can't. Uh, trust me. It's telling because holding is its a judgment call that to some degree can almost be called on every single play. And I'll tell you, frankly, on Salchuk's touchdown run, like there was a couple – instances on that specific play alone where we probably could have been called for a hold but we weren't so um it is interesting i think we all get it we all understand it 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 doesn't feel like there's going to be any help given and we don't need it and i'm not even asking for it but i whenever it's two years running and it and it all comes after the sec announcement for oklahoma and texas it's it's just odd. Yeah, okay? it's, it's 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 a situation that we've been monitoring. Nothing is as bad as the Cincinnati game, at least up to this point. Hopefully, uh, Saturday yeah. in Lawrence doesn't outdo that. But we've been monitoring it for sure. It was it was yeah. really bad at Cincinnati, and you're right, Willie Mays Hayes. It's very interesting that hasn't happened. But even more impressed with a couple of guys on Saturday. If that's the case, if they're being held and they're still making plays, dude, Ethan Downs is. I mean, he's playing his best ball, but yeah. he's playing at a really high level right now. And then I know Trace Ford was offsides, but one drive mm-hmm. in particular, he looked he looked awesome. That was his best drive of the season so far. Trace Ford is an interesting like, study. He makes a bunch of really, really nice plays. He is a super – productive player but he has a handful of his mistakes stick out like a sore thumb (laughs) you know what i'm saying it's it's wild you know because he has the offsides where he lines up in the neutral zone completely obvious um bails them out he's he's had that 15 yard penalty against texas which was critical uh critical point in the game um, you know, he had the the, the, the recovery in the end zone that goes out the, the back of it, yeah. Recovery in the end zone on the block punt. Um, but he is making a ton of plays for us. He really is. Um, you know what's interesting? Whenever I go back and I watch the game, I write down players that I thought played well. And I have eight Defensive linemen, that defensive line or edge guys Dang. that I thought played well. I'm guessing Downs um, and Ford, the two we just talked about, are on there. Who are the uh, Who are the other six? Isaiah Coe. Okay. Bothroyd. 
Jacob Lacey, Jonah Laulu, Trace Ford, uh, R. Mason Thomas. Yeah, that was nice. Dejan Terry and Ethan Downs. And just because you're not on the list doesn't mean you played bad. It you know it's just these are guys that stuck out to me that that played well. Our Mason Thomas is you know he wasn't he wasn't just great across the board, but he had a couple of really really nice flashes. And I'm telling you, what the future holds with him and. PJ on opposite ends is big time. Whoo, yeah, makes you time. feel like we've got some good stuff coming. You know, and our defensive line totally dominated the line of scrimmage in that football game. Totally dominated. Eight oh five. Any chance we could see Peyton Bowen on offense? Leave no. Peyton Bowen where he is at. He's right where he needs to be. Didn't get a ton of snaps on Saturday. Scott T was uh, tweeting at Parker and I. Where's Peyton Bowen? And then, boom, big third down play. He makes it. Gets to John Rice Plumley. You know, there was a thought perhaps down on the sideline that maybe he's a little banged up. That's why he didn't play as much. He just played in the dime package. You know, he's the six-pack or the six-DB that's out there in our, I think they call it the Oki front, where they just have the three down in the six-DBs. Um so I don't know if he's working through something right now or not. I know he's all strapped up on his shoulders. Uh, he's got that brace that you can see coming out of his pads. Um, I don't know what's going on there. but He looked great on that third down play. Nothing dude else. is productive, and he finds a way to impact the game whenever he's in. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. We'll wrap up our number one next. Do you eat, sleep, and breathe Sooner football? We do, too. This is The Ref, home of Sooner fans. Jeff Lister here with Knippelmeyer Chevrolet. Have you been looking for a new or pre-owned vehicle? We are constantly receiving new inventory and have a wide selection of Silverados and SUVs. ...services at the most reasonable prices. We are proud to be a family-owned and operated funeral home. Award-winning funeral home year after year. Our family believes in serving the people of our community. I'm John Ireland. And I'm Solon Daniels. You've got got our word on it. Cancer can feel like something we can't do anything about, but you can. There are screening tests that can catch cancer early when it may be easier to treat. Begin cervical screening at age 25. At 45, start colorectal and breast screening. At 50, discuss lung screening with a doctor. Find resources for free and low-cost screening at cancer.org slash get screened. This is a public service message from the American Cancer Society. Cavins Group, bringing you this hour of the rush on a reaction Monday. If you have an emergency 24 hours a day, give Cavins a call. They specialize in fire, water, mold, remediation, and crime scene cleanup. That's Cavins Group, 405-573-3048, 405-573-3048. Many on the text line pointing out that uh, Bowen had a Peyton Bowen had a boot on after the UCF game. One texter saying he had a boot on after the game, but said it was just sore and precautionary. Mike on Twitter hit us up and said it's an ankle injury with him, but yeah, I don't think that it's going to be something that you know sidelines him for. Uh, th- this is not a Quinn Ewers situation, yeah, with uh, Peyton Bowen which we'll get into, I'm sure, at some point later next hour. But um, 
You're right, man. It's like Peyton Bowen. You can count on him, whether he plays a lot or he plays a little. He's going to give you one play a game, sometimes more, but at least one play a game where you're going to say, good God, that kid's special. Yeah. Yeah, at least one. Pretty much every time he's like, – if you just watch him, even on plays that he doesn't necessarily make, he's usually doing something pretty pretty impressive away from the football. I mean, there's a lot of guys on a given play that are doing their job to a high level, even though they may not be involved in the tackle or the sack or whatever it is. Um, what, uh, what about kicker moving forward? Zach Schmidt misses a 38-yarder, a 43-yarder. He's missed, what, four of his last eight. Brent showed a lot of confidence in him after the game, but is he a miss away from being replaced? What's what's this week look like? I don't. I mean, I, I don't know. If, changed the punter, and he averaged 51.6 yards per punt on Saturday. Luke yeah. Elzinga, he was awesome. Maybe they give someone else a, a shot, start off with maybe – some some makeable kicks and you just kind of you just kind of work it from there maybe you i i don't know that they're they're going to go into a game and the first opportunity they have is like a last second you know 48 or 50 yarder like as you're going into halftime like i don't know that that's going to be a good spot to try someone new out but i you know i don't know how they manage that if if it's not even close, whenever it comes to the kicker battle and he's the best you got, I mean, you're kind of limited as to what you can do. Yeah, it's just, it's just a, such a confidence position, and I, you're missing 38 yarders like that. I'm sure his confidence isn't too high right now, missing four of his last eight. It just, right. I don't know, I, it just feels like that's going to cost him at some point. If they continue well, to miss two, no f- two field goals a game. I, I think overall special teams, you didn't have a pump blocked. Again, Elzinga was awesome. So overall, special teams was better. It's just hard to come out of that game feeling super optimistic about that side after you miss two very makeable field goals. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, that's a good question to ask Coach Venables tonight. You know, how, how do you work through something with – kickers that you know is a mental thing you've got guys that you know are fully capable of hitting the kicks that you're sending them out there for i what do you do (laughs) how do you you, there's a fine balance between you know hurting their mindset more than it already is by missing the kicks or you know I, i don't know how you manage that just call the fake field goal every time like you did you at go. Iowa State last year. It, it, it uh, went there for a go. touchdown. Um, something else interesting happened on Saturday, and we talked last week about uh, Barnes and the potential that he might just redshirt this year. He was dressed out, and that part wasn't weird, but what was weird, I don't know if anybody else caught this, there's a point in the game, and I think it was in the second half, where he runs out on the field like he's getting in the game. And then he's halfway out there, and I don't know if someone yelled at him or what happened, but he ran back to the sideline. But at, at, at least for at least for a second, at least at a point in the game, he ran out there like he was about to about to get in the game. He, he didn't. He didn't play on Saturday. Just weird. Like if you don't think that you're going to play, why would you ever run out on the field like you're anticipating doing so? I don't know. Have you ever seen Digstown? 
Mm, I can I can watch the high. I can read the uh, Cliff's notes uh, over the break. I'm sure. Dickstown, uh, James Woods. It's where Honey Roy Palmer has to fight ten guys boxing in 24 hours. And in one of them, one of the fighters steps into the ring, never fights, and then steps out. They called it a bout, and then, I don't know, it reminds me of that situation, almost like it's a rope-a-dope or something. I don't know, just funny. All right, quick timeout. we got hour number two of The Rush coming up next. Stay tuned. Hey! 